Welcome everyone to a critical and timely discussion on online accessibility in recruitment, an issue that poses significant challenges for job seekers with disabilities. It's alarming to note that 75% of people with disabilities report that their condition affects their job search and over 50% face obstacles during the recruitment process. Given that one in five working age adults has a disability, it's imperative for employers to prioritise online accessibility and implement inclusive hiring strategies. We are honoured today to have Keith Mauter, a digital inclusion innovator for RecyteMe, joining us to share his expertise in removing online and offline barriers. We're excited to hear from Keith about how we can learn more about this, so we're going to dive straight in. So Keith, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really delighted that you could spare the time. So thank you. So thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Good, good. So let's start with um, Recite Me Story. So I read about your founder, yeah. Ross Linnett's yeah. story on the website. Um, I know Ross is dyslexic, yeah. um, so very much a purpose-driven start of an organisation. And he was diagnosed, as I understand it, when he graduated from university. Tell us a bit more about Ross's story and how Recite Me came about. Yeah, so um, Ross... <clears throat> was actually diagnosed relatively quite late in life based on on modern day um diagnosis i would have you know i would have thought he, he was diagnosed just after his degree um qualified as with his degree got through his studies perfectly fine um but established that there were issues there and and was kind of recommended to go and, and get tested um so it was around the age of, of 21 22 that ross was diagnosed with dyslexia um Ross actually went on to work for the University of Northumbria um, and with that role he was granted some funding to install some assistive tech on his work desktop computer to try and help him with dyslexia. Um, very much an explorative process I'm sure for a lot of people and certainly for Ross. Um, there were some real eureka moments uh, when getting the grips with it, obviously helping him with his reading and <clears throat> the kind of functional aspects of working around dyslexia Um but I think over time there was a few frustrations that crept in as well. Um, mainly the the kind of the support was very limiting because it was one license for one computer. So when he was at work at that computer, he had the means to be able to amend and engineer the best possible experience. But even if you went next door to the computer next door, he was back to square one again. So it was very kind of carrot on a on a stick kind of thing. He was he was teased a little bit by having that great experience on one computer, but then kind of had to navigate in a different world on others. So that was quite limiting for him. And also websites, what, 20 years ago weren't what they are today at all. Um they weren't built as they are. They looked very different. Um there's a lot of embedded content like flash files and videos and things that made a website look aesthetic but didn't actually make it accessible. Um, so this led Ross to exploring ways in which he could build something that you could actually plug into a website, which would, one, work better because it's part of the website, but two, because it's part of the website, you can use it anywhere. You don't have to have multiple licenses for it. As long as you've got access to the internet, Recite Me would be there to, to support you as, a, as an online user. That's um, a real story there, like I say, based from purpose as well. So he saw a problem and his mission was obviously clearly to fix it. So 
Keith, from your perspective, what's your passion and when did you join the Recite Me story? Yeah, so obviously my, my passion's changed slightly over time, but my, my obviously current passion is very much working with technology for good. Um, so technology that really impacts people on a day-to-day basis for me just really gets me excited, gets me out of bed and gets me working really hard. Um, at Recite Me, that is simply unavoidable because that's what the technology is about. It's about enhancing people's experiences online. So that's really kind of working with my need to work with that level of technology that is, is supportive to so many people. I spend most of my career as a recruiter supporting a handful of people every week. Um, in terms of achieving their career aspirations, placing them, obviously I talk to a lot more candidates throughout the week, but typically would place five to 10 people every week. But with Recite Me, I get to support hundreds if not thousands of people a week by implementing recite onto various websites and giving them the chance to either explore new opportunities as a candidate purchase things as a consumer or just simply research and and look at websites um, and really kind of enjoy them in a much more inclusive way excellent yeah and what's recite me's mission i mean as a short version online accessibility for all that's how we classify what we do. It's it's giving people the ability to access online content in their own way. Uh, again, whether you're a candidate, whether you're a consumer, whether you're simply browsing, researching information, everyone has the right to access that information. It's not private. It's there. It's public knowledge. It needs to be accessed by everyone. So we want ev- we want to increase website experience times improve the freedom to information for those who may otherwise struggle with online content and allow those people to enjoy online experiences like everybody else, try and take the frustration out of it because of the the natural barriers that they live with, if that makes sense. It certainly does, Keith, indeed. In my introduction, I shared that 75% of job seekers surveyed by RIDI, which is the Recruitment Industry Disability Initiative, Um, found that their condition had impacted their job search. Um, now, we no doubt share the same view that everyone deserves their dream career. However, each person's access needs and their online barriers are as diverse as their conditions. And taking into consideration that the average person spends six and a half hours online, and then when you're job seeking, the average person is going to be spending more than likely more time online Tell us about how hidden disabilities affect job seekers' online journeys. The emphasis really should be on what the journey looks like and how it feels to support the hidden disabilities. So there's a few points we can look at. Um, Obviously, the fact that potentially applicants can't read it or can't read the content that's on your careers website or on the applicant tracking system or intranet that they're using once they become an employee. Um, So for applicants with sight loss, for example, or colour blindness, um, and deaf blindness, reading web copy can be difficult. Um, the size of that text, the font, um, the colour contrast between the text and the background can all be barriers to reading for those with, with learning difficulties like dyslexia or dyspraxia. We've got applicants that don't understand the information, so users with cognitive or neurological disorders may have problems following the flow of information if it's not written in a simple language doesn't follow a logical order, um, use headers or include alt tags or link descriptions when you're writing the content. And additionally, users who speak English as a second language may have difficulty understanding the information and may need tr- translation, which is you know a massive part of, of online inclusion. Um, 
you know, you've got applicants that can't navigate through application processes easily. So temporary or permanent physical disabilities can make accessing websites via a smartphone or a tablet difficult. Um, and using equipment like a mouse or the phone may also be pro- uh, you know, problematic. Um, website errors like empty links and buttons, missing input labels to forms, missing document language makes. And I know there's a lot of content here in terms and there's a lot to follow. But all these little elements of a website, all those seem to be quite minor to someone who can't click on them or can't access them might be a pivotal missing part of that link when it comes to applying for a job. So it's really key to look at how people can actually navigate through the process. And one one of the biggest ones as well is, is applicants don't trust your site. There's just a level of lack in the trust between the candidate and the content on the site. So fear of the unknown is a big factor for many applicants. Like what's going to be involved in this candidate experience? Am I able to work my way through this this journey and before they've even clicked on apply, they already have a low level of trust because typically their experience from other careers websites or other applicant journeys has been relatively low for them because the lack of support because of their hidden disability. So including elements like flashing images, videos, image carousels that they can't control and are simply not worth the risk from a, a content provider which frustrate people and, and can agitate their, their hidden disabilities. So there's a few things along the way that can have a massive impact on hidden disabilities when it comes to the applicant journey. Looking at your website, we've got um, people that are neurodiverse, 15% of the population are neurodiverse with hidden disabilities, mm-hmm. like you said, with dyslexia, ADHD, autism, dyspraxia and more. 10% of people have a learning disability. 4% have a visual impairment. And the most staggering is 80% of internet users don't speak English as their first language. So if you're a global organisation trying to attract a global workforce, then you could have some barriers there. So I think it's kind of a bit of a leading question, I suppose. But what's the business case for being disability inclusive? Again, quite quite an open question. And I could probably reel off many, many, many points around this, but I've... I think I just want to mention um, a handful of them. So obviously, I think looking at the top level, just your employer brand and brand perception in general, um, experiences of a candidate and employees can be vastly improved when when offered elevated levels of inclusion and support. Um, their trust and confidence in you as an employer can start um, that journey and that relationship on the best possible footing. Um, so I think that needs to play a big part in the, in the, in the business case for being inclusive. Um, a clear inclusion, you know, a clear inclusion strategy as well is really important. Um, obviously this can allow you to be very transparent around where you are. You know, if you're not following a strategy or a map or a plan, um, you can't, dictate to people where you are on that journey um you're just kind of plucking things out of midair and and giving people false hope almost um so actually having that clear inclusion strategy can be really important and even if you're not doing a great deal it's about planting the seed of what you're planning to do in the future and that you actually have it as a core aspiration and and goal to improve as a culture as an inclusive culture 
and improve the candidate journey. Having ability to offer responsibility to existing employees as well to drive inclusion um, and provide the necessary internal support to ensure change is planned and executed, um, create focus groups that people can join uh, and make genuine contributions to make their own work environment and career development more inclusive to them and others. So it's sort of bringing people into the conversation that are actually already part of the business, but can help attract new members into the business as well and be part of that evolving kind of culture that you're you're looking to build. Um, Naturally, opening opportunities to more people is a big part of the business case. Uh, It'll always be one of the key ones, certainly from a recruitment point of view, offering more diversity uh, in your talent pools across all levels of the business. Adding this will allow the business to learn more and understand more about how they progress as an inclusive employer. Um, If you find that your business is lacking diversity, the, the one way of starting to evolve that is to get people into the business that actually are diverse and can offer internal advice and support and drive things forward and make kind of key contributions to the business. And, um, you know, that's a big part of, of any business case um, with regards to, to developing inclusion. Um, I think understanding and change as well is really important. So as I briefly mentioned on the last point, being inclusive, attracting and retaining a diverse workforce can offer huge opportunity to understand more about diversity, the needs of those with physical disabilities or any barriers that might impact their ability to work um, to their best capabilities, really. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the important things that certainly I've learned in my uh, equity, diversity and inclusion role is that you need to get the insides right first before you hire people externally. So, you know, um, that's probably the first place to start, which is like you say, the focus groups, get people talking about it, raise awareness and all that sort of thing. Employee surveys and asking people very honest and sometimes very scarring questions to the business because it's maybe answers they don't want to hear. But actually, until you know where you are as a business and where you are as a culture, it's hard to make those changes. And I'd be very surprised if you put out a an employee survey and it come back amazing and everybody's happy because that's never going to be the case. There's always going to be someone that needs a little bit of help and elements of the culture that needs changing. So, yeah, it's good to face those demons a little bit on a more regular basis as well, I think. so. Is there anything else that an employer could do in a simple format just to, I suppose, make that hiring process more inclusive in that situation? I mean, again, increasing level of understanding is 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 probably a good, great player. I think the one thing I would like to reflect is is never panic about this stuff. You know, there will be many other companies that are at different stages of their journey when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um I'd never want an employer to think they're doing the worst possible thing. I think the worst possible thing would not to be explore this and make sure that they're they're delivering on a certain level when it comes to diversity and inclusion with regards to their their hiring process. Um, ignoring it completely is the worst thing you could possibly do because it will come back and and bite you at some stage um, and it will stop naturally stop the company from growing and evolving in, in the way that will probably bring very creative and innovative results. Um, but I think reviewing, constantly reviewing their applicant, you know, their applicant journey, um, doing their research around what other companies are doing um, and exploring that um, 
even getting feedback from candidates that have been through the journey and, and asking them if they've had any other experiences um, outside of that, you know, outside of their own kind of candidate journey that they'd, they actually found positive and enlightening and, and take as much resource and information from the people who it's impacting the most and using that information to really drilling it into your own culture and your own way of doing things. I think that's the most important thing to do is drawing information from people who are actually experiencing it day to day because they're the ones with the frustrations. They're the ones that are critically looking for a job and having to navigate through these difficult journeys. Um, so I think that is probably the most prominent point I would make is try and draw as much information from the people when you have their attention not when you've annoyed and frustrated them by taking them through a, a very exclusive kind of, a, you know, a, a process that's not very inclusive at all. Try and draw as much information from them and apply it as quickly as you can to that process. With the companies that you work with, with RecyteMe, can you share any examples in your world of how employers are shaking up their hiring processes to make it more inclusive for the benefit of the audience? I think the word, the term shaking up for, for some people, it, it's different extremes. For some people, it, it can just be actually creating a careers website, could be shaking it up because they didn't have one before. And they relied very much just on the corporate site. And, and then they would use job boards and it would be very direct. There wouldn't be any culture emphasis or injection into actually building an employer brand. Um, so, and then to others, it can be implementing, you know, a hundred thousand pounds worth of technology into their into their functionality to make it more inclusive. So it depends on the size of the business, but certainly a number of things that some of our clients have done. Um, so see, I mean, I think we mentioned, you know, video interviewing um, has been a common kind of centerpiece for a lot of my clients, kind of implementing new ways of interviewing people, giving people different options, a bit more of a relaxed option as well, rather than coming into a, to a to a business environment initially, you know, allowing them to interview initially in, in their own environment and keeping them in a in a safe and familiar environment, um, you know, to answer questions in their own space without the pressure of the typical interview scenario. It doesn't work for all, but for those who I know have used it, um, they've had impressive feedback from candidates. I think a really important point, and I've mentioned it a little bit earlier, was the careers website, not just being a token site, or not just being there to tick a box. I think it's really important to actually own your employer brand and, and it should be a brand in itself, which then should come with its own website, its own presence, its own importance. Um, a growing number of clients are engaging with employer brand agencies that have a strong grasp on building accessible websites, what that involves. I'd be silly not to mention, but obviously some of our clients have implemented RecyteMe as well, uh, which is obviously a great kind of addition to any career site, which obviously allow candidates to engineer and navigate their way around a website in their own way, whether it be using text-to-speech, changing colors, fonts, language translation, whatever it may that may suit them as an individual. Um, and I know one of my clients offer their candidates an online portal uh, with resources, guides, support for the application process. This isn't an onboarding platform. This isn't something they've embedded for people who've got the job. So they know they're investing in people who are actually committing themselves to the business. This is an online portal that candidates can log into when they've got past the initial application stage. They get a login, password, and they can access resources, guides, maps to the offices, um, 
break down with some of the key people that they might meet when they're in the building. So it's a really supporting online experience that allows them to work their way through the candidate journey and give them the information they need. And I guess it plays into a little bit what I mentioned earlier about the video of what does reception look like? What does, you know, who's the receptionist I'll be meeting? What does the interview rooms look like? What might the assessment room might look like? All about nurturing and 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 giving the candidate as much of an experience of your brand as you possibly can. Don't just wait until they've signed on the dotted line as an employee before you go all out and give them the full diversity treatment. Let's really plant this seed in day one and give them as much promise as they possibly can get when it comes to applying for that job. Can you summarise for the listeners so, so that they've got something tangible to take away um, what employers can do to ensure that their talent attraction and hiring process is more inclusive for people with disabilities? Yeah, I think I'll start with the don't panic scenario. Um, nobody wants the I must do something approach because that can often be very thrift, very quick and can often be misjudged. Um I think a lot of people prefer the we need to do something, but let's explore what that should be and get the relevant resources and information for us to execute that in a timely and measurable fashion. Um, just don't rush into anything. Like I said, there's many companies that are at different stages of their diversity and inclusion journey. There's no need to rush in and make massive drastic changes without the necessary research and consultation and all the different things we've talked about in this podcast with regards to gathering that information. I think talk, again, talk to your current workforce and look to understand what the current hiring process looks like and how it feels. Not just your current workforce, but potentially candidates that haven't been successful or are going through the journey and ask them what it feels like, what emotions has it sparked. Emotion is a huge part of the recruitment journey. Um, And you'll have hundreds of thousands of people, all with varying needs and abilities that can offer insight before you even start exploring what you need to be doing with regards to changes to the recruitment process. And finally, and this is linked to a site naturally, but use technology to fast track changes. A lot of the time when technology is created, it is aimed to make life easier. And that applies for business functionality as well. Obviously, you know, Ross built the site to make accessibility online and inclusion online a lot easier for many people. And when you implement that onto a career site or an applicant tracking system, we look to make the online experience much easier without the client having to do a great deal of work because we've done it all for them. Thank you so much, Keith, for your time. Um, A thoroughly informative session for sure. Um, Before we wrap up, I'd just like to remind our listeners that we have prepared a complimentary white paper summarising the key takeaways from this episode and providing links to RecycMe's website and other resources that have been mentioned uh, within this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking. I certainly did. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. And sharing it with your friends and colleagues is also a great way to spread the word. And of course, the biggest thank you again must go to Keith for sharing his invaluable insights and expertise with us today. So thank you again, Keith. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, Becky. Thanks for having me.